0: Your job as a person is to be obedient to Christ and let the outcome be in His hands. Um, and as a parent, that's really hard because you want the best for your child and understanding that you love your child and God loves the child even more. You know, you're doing your job, like you're saying, you're cultivating that, that curious environment and that um, relationship with them so that you can have mutual respect and you're doing your thing to pray for your child and relying on the Lord, the results are in His hands. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview.
1: Welcome to Outstanding, friends. This is where we have critical conversations about the news of the day and the ideas that shape us. Once again, I'm your host, Joseph Backholm, and our goal with every episode is to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And part of that journey, for those of us who are old enough, is to help our children do the same. How can we raise up the next generation in the fear and admonition of the Lord? How can we help them to survive the world that we live in uh, with their minds and their brains and their souls intact? Now, here at the Family Research Council, uh, there's a great internship program. And what that does uh, for the office is it brings some of the best and the brightest from around the country through the FRC offices every single quarter where they get to experience Washington, D.C., and they get to uh, you know work on the Hill, learn policy, do a variety of different things. Well, it also happens that the um, intern Classes that come through here happen to be people who have managed to avoid being swept away by the current cultural currents. And Gen Z, of course, was raised in an environment that their parents and and I identify as that. I have four Gen Zers, and uh, my children are were raised in a very different environment uh, than I was. And because of that, I and mean, largely that has to do with technology. In fact, Gen Z is defined by. Be, the fact that it is the first generation that has been raised, always having had access to all of this technology. I um, didn't have a cell phone until I was 22, I think. Is is so? I lived in a primitive world by Gen Z standards growing up, and um, because of the differences in those worlds, a lot of the parents don't understand the Gen Z perspective, and so while it's common for adults to be giving advice to Gen Z and frankly everybody else. That's what we kind of do habitually today. We're going to flip the script a little bit and we're going to hear from some Gen Zers about what they have seen working uh, from parents and from adults and from the church and educational institutions. And they're going to give us some advice on how we can help transmit the uh, the faith and uh, and uh, really raise up the next generation in a way that they can uh, keep their mind in a world that is losing its mind. So, to have that conversation, I wanna welcome uh, two friends, Georgina Simonson and Isaac Pilon. Georgina, Isaac, welcome.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you. Well, we're glad to have you. This is gonna be a fun uh, conversation and really, um, you know, my kids are just a, couple few years younger than you guys so I've got a lot to learn I think still in all of this but uh, first um, Georgina we'll start with you Um, just tell us a bit about your your background of course where you're from little of the bio but also just um, you know what do you think was most influential in shaping you know the thinker that you are today
0: Thank you. Yeah, I grew up in South Florida. I'm 22 years old and I just graduated college. I went to a, a small school called Boca Raton Christian School. So I went to a school that was a ministry of my local church. So that, that was my primary source of my spiritual development growing up. My parents, wonderful Christian family, but I definitely learned the most through my awesome faithful Christian school. I went there K through 12th grade. That really developed me. And then I went to a secular college, local university called Florida Atlantic University. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just graduated in May, so it was a great Christian upbringing, and that's where I got a lot of that education, and then I went to that regular um, college yeah. afterwards.
2: Excellent. Isaac? I'm from Robbinsdale, Minnesota, right outside the Twin Cities, and I, uh, I'm a student at the University of Northwestern, St. Paul, Minnesota, Small Christian College, which I, I know you've yes. a connection to. I know it. Yes. And um, yeah, so my um, foundation was really laid, the biblical foundation, um, I was homeschooled all the way up till 10th grade and um, my mother really um, instilled biblical values and that's where I really got the convictions and the you know defenses ready to to embrace and to be ready to go and uh, you know be in the world, not of the world. And in 10th grade, I actually went to the public high school. Um, uh, and that was really a formational experience for me. It really gave me you know a huge challenge, you know. Um, I've been raised in this Christian environment my whole life here in, you know, the biblical um, viewpoint, and then I had all these just bombarded with uh, a completely different view, and uh, it was really good for me. It really helped strengthen my convictions, but I know that if I didn't have that homeschool foundation, that would be a, a challenge for sure.
1: Now, both of you then, Georgina, you were in a Christian school mm-hmm. environment, K through 12, and then Isaac, you were homeschooled until 10th grade. Um, do you think, I mean, compare this to other friends in you, because you guys were both raised in the church, Christian homes, um, would the outcome have been the same if you had been in a different educational environment? Do you think?
0: I don't think so. I think if I went to a public school, I wouldn't have had the biblical background that I do. Um, I do think it's a responsibility of the parents, so it can be done, but I don't think that's the ideal situation. Maybe if I was homeschooled, I would have some of that biblical background, but I think the education, depending on that um, primary family situation, can be different for each individual family. So I think that I did have the ideal situation for me.
2: Okay. Isaac? Yeah. I. Well, I know for me, yeah, probably probably not, but I know there were... I have friends that, that were raised in the public school and are Christians, but I think... Um, it's really challenging to ve- develop a, a thorough biblical worldview. Out, you know, being in the public school your whole life because you're you're constantly hearing something different, and um, you know, I th- and I think especially when the church the church is silent about certain issues, and I saw that in my own church. You know, certain things you know, church wouldn't talk about. You know, that's um, it's political. If you don't talk about that, what the culture is saying, yeah. you're going to embrace that. Yeah. And so, yeah, if I, if I didn't have that biblical foundation, it would have been really challenging to, to stand up against that and to, you know, sure. stay true okay. to what God's Word says. Now, you
1: both have come to a orthodox faith through your Christian educational environments, but we all know... There are lots of homeschool kids in your case, and there are lots of kids who go to Christian schools who end up in a situation very different from yours when they get to 22, 23 years old. So it's not like put them in this environment and suddenly everything is going to be good. What do you think were the habits, disciplines? I mean, what were some of the things that happened within those environments Either at home, and because of course, Georgina, you're in a Christian school, but a lot's happening at home, I know, because um, that has to be the case. What are the things that were happening as you reflect back on that that you think were formative? Because we know that just homeschooling your kid is not going to guarantee that they are going to, uh, you know, emerge from that clear thinkers.
0: I think I had really good exposure to the outside world while being developed in a worldview environment, an intentional biblical worldview environment. So, like we had a lot of non-Christian friends growing up and my parents didn't hide any of that from me and so we would all we were all one community. And then I'd go back to my Christian school and they were really good about encouraging us to ask hard questions and to talk about, yeah, there is this thing called abortion and people are talking about it. And before they talk about it, we're gonna get to you guys first and really to just lay out the foundation, of what is going on and what does the Bible have to say about this. And so going into that, you know, I'd learn about that and middle school and then in high school when our secular friends would discuss that, I would already be prepared with biblical knowledge and the truth in that situation. And so I think, um, practically speaking, my school and my family was intentional about teaching us what the world was doing and what the Bible has to say about it. And that was just so formative, not being shocked when you go to a a secular college and you see everything for the first time, it wasn't a shock, you know, you kind of see it your whole life, but you see primarily that what the truth is is more important than that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I would say it is important to be exposed to to the lies that are coming from the culture. I think if homeschoolers or people raised in the church aren't given a biblical framework to address the issues of the day, they just accept what the culture says, you know, and um for me, I was able in my in my environment, you know, my dad was always encouraging us to pursue truth and to you know, take what the culture's saying and say, you know, what does the Bible say about that? And um, and that was formational for me. If I, you know, I think if we had been silent, if you know, I could have been raised, you know, going to the wanna clubs and all that. But if I never had the chance to address my questions and my doubts, I think I, you know, it would have been challenging when I'm just hearing that without any, you know, biblical opposition, hearing what the world says about sexuality, about abortion, things like that. I, the whole cultural tide is going that way, and as a pressure as young people is just to go with what your friends believe, you know. And I, I've seen that okay. in my own friends. But if you, if you, as you know, talking about parents and what they can do, if you can walk alongside and be willing to engage in the, yeah. the questions of the the doubts and be willing to put a biblical perspective without silencing, you know, that's um that's huge.
1: It sounds like both of you had family environments that weren't afraid to engage the conversations around us. Um, I've had I've, – I've described what I've observed in some situations as, as essentially fearful parenting where mm-hmm. you have parents who are legitimately afraid – of the impact of the culture and what that's going to do to their kids and they respond by kind of trying to create a bubble and we're not going to necessarily equip you to deal with all of that we're going to try to protect you from that as long as possible and I think on some level even maybe subconsciously the the kids learn to be afraid of these things and because the parents really just want to like block it all out what happens is the kids um, they don't learn to just deal with it so the first time they're exposed to it they don't have the tools I mean have you observed that kind of family environment as well and just kind of speak to um, that dynamic with you know the temptation that parents have to just I just want to protect you from everything
2: Hmm. what do you think yeah, I think um, <clears throat> definitely, I definitely have observed that. And I think um, that really, you talked about technology and social media. That's something that parents, especially nowadays, if you're on your phone, you're not going to be able to monitor all of that and not going to be able to protect and like shelter and not, they're going to be exposed to that. You just have to know that, especially when I, so I had, you know, when I got on social media, I got on social media later, which I think was Important for me, but around 15 or 16 um, and my dad was talking about the issues that I would I would see there So he didn't know necessarily what I'm being exposed to on a daily basis. You get bombarded yeah. just on things like Instagram <laughs> It's kind of tangent, but on Instagram I mean you just don't even realize how much that affects you. your thinking when you're intaking that much social media and that much worldview that you're uncritically taking in because Instagram or any kind of social media, TikTok, it doesn't give you an ability to critically intake information. You're just taking it in. And so if you don't have a foundation, that's that's just going to be what surfaces. But anyways, yes, if you're sheltered, overly sheltered and not exposed to the ideas outside and just in fear pushing all the way, then eventually you're going to get exposed to it and you're not going to have the tools. You're absolutely right. Not going to have the tools to respond in a biblical manner and to be in the world but not of the world.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that there's value in understanding the culture around you. And unless you're the kind of person to jump into the hot tub, I think the best way is to gradually over time to like learn about what's going on in a safe environment. Like you're saying, when you're, when you're young and you're discussing these things as, with your kids at the table, you can be the ones to tell them, hey, this is what's going on. This is where it's true. This is the good in it. And lies are believable because there's a lot of truth in it. But here's the lie and here's what the Bible actually says. And so I think that's really essential to... Um, You don't have to tell your kids everything, but I think that kids are a lot smarter and can be more mature when given the opportunity to say, like, hey, this is what we think that um, is going on. We think that you're mature enough to understand this. And, you again, you don't have to go everything when they're six, but, you know, they're going to be exposed either way unless you can live your whole life off the grid. But I don't think that's what we're called to either, right? We're called to be not of the world, but we are in the world sharing the gospel, and we can't share the gospel if we don't speak the language of the people. So understanding where they're coming from and what's going on in the world, I think, is essential.
1: I had a similar experience, um, I graduated from a public high school, I went to a um, Christian elementary school through sixth grade. And then I homeschooled for one year, which is an interesting story. And then I ended up graduating from a public high school. Then I went to the University of Washington, which is of course a big secular godless place. But I considered that, specifically the University of Washington, to be a great training ground for me that I now look back on um, and I won't tell the whole story of how I got there today, but we've, we've talked um, offline and you kind of know how I got to the University of Washington, which was really kind of miraculous. And I now consider that to be a tremendous training opportunity because what my life has been since then is just constantly engaging with the culture. And I think it's true that if you don't understand how they think and you cannot uh, charitably describe how they think, it's really hard to disagree with that. My, my favorite law school professor uh, told me often that you do not know what you think until you can describe your opponent's argument better than they can. And he's, that was always the objective, is you have to so thoroughly understand the position of those who disagree with you that you can describe exactly how they feel in the way that they would say it, and maybe even better than that. And once you can do that, then you have intellectually actually wrestled with their ideas. But it's hard to do that if you're never around them. And so the challenge for, you know, Christian parents, I think, and in, in, in discipleship is kind of regulating the exposure, building this foundation. But part of that is it, it's like building a tolerance because I always think of ideas as essentially a, a virus. And you, your, your intellectual immune system needs to grow in proportion to the exposure that you have. So you don't just overload somebody with a virus when they're so young that they don't have the intellectual capability to reject it, which is part of the reason why I think six-year-olds should not be missionaries. But by the time you're in ninth grade, 10th grade, hopefully that foundation has been laid, you've developed a bit of an um, you know, immunity to some of these ideas where I can recognize that as a bad idea and I can also respond to that. And so that is a tough line, I think, for parents to walk to know when is the right time, how do we expose you to a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and I think that's the exercise. Um, but as to technology, how afraid should parents be? In your mind Now that you guys have like Walked through the teen years You've had all the technology You've seen the influence On your life You've seen the influence On your friends' lives How afraid should we be?
0: I think it should be Very heavily monitored I think there's really a lot That you can accidentally Bump into Even if you're not Pursuing evil Evil's pursuing you And so with young kids I definitely think That it should be monitored If not avoided As long as possible
2: Yeah Those younger years Are especially critical I know I think you should be avoided. Delay it as long as possible, so you can give that foundation, so you can be able to attack. You know, I think the good way to expose the cultural lies isn't by throwing <laughs> throwing kids into social media. We've learned here at the the worldview center with um, David how early a child develops their worldview. By thirteen, it's nearly set, and that is something that's critical. You know, I think those early years are critical in building that biblical foundation. And so if you have the barrage of social media and what the world is saying at a young age that's, that's going to seep in whether they realize it or not and I, I've even seen that in myself I, I wasn't exposed to social media at that young age but now you know I, you see the, the barrage that you take on today it takes like everything you have to think critically about that and to take every yeah. thought captive to the word of Christ and when yeah. you're being raised on that and just that's what you know that's a, that's a challenge So mm. now you say this now When you had boundaries
1: drawn when you were 14, 15, 13, everybody's got a device, everybody's doing all the... What was your attitude at that point? Were you bothered by it?
0: I was a little bit, um, but I had a really close relationship with my family, and I was an independent child, so like, we could play outside, and we had all that opportunity there. So although I was kind of (laughs) salty sometimes with my parents for not letting me have Instagram or anything, I did see the value in it, and I I didn't feel like I missed out like I'd missed out on things that I didn't think that were that valuable to begin with so I wasn't too upset about it
2: yeah I think yes obviously that's just something that you're gonna feel when you're a preteen and you want to be like your friends but I think knowing that they were doing it out of love really helped um you know my dad would explain the lies of the day and and the truth, you know, that we have to be careful about this. And, I, I, you know, looking back, I can see it a lot clearer than I did then. But I knew that he was doing it out of love. And um, I knew that we were setting those boundaries out of love. And that is um, essential.
0: Mm. But I think also what could be helpful is, like, this fight doesn't begin in the sixth grade when everybody's downloading Instagram. Like, I think that... Um, when you're parenting a young, young child, they should be encouraged to have an imagination and to play outside with their friends and to develop those relationships to where now they're wanting to desire like these things like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. They can see, yeah, I want it. My friends are doing it. But if I'm not allowed to, I can still have a lot of fun playing outside with my friends. Yeah.
1: Isaac, you mentioned that uh, you believed your parents were creating those boundaries out of love. How did you know that? What is the difference in your guys' mind between a parent that is just trying to that, – that communicates I'm just trying to control you and a parent who is able to convince their child in the moment that you may not love this, but I'm doing it because I love you? How do parents communicate both of those things?
2: Yes, I love you. No, you can't do that. <laughs> That's a great question. I think in the moment it's really challenging. I wouldn't say maybe in the moment I saw that very clearly. Um, but in the
1: back, was it there? In I mean, the there back. Was some yeah, yeah, awareness. in the back. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Because I knew I knew my parents and I trusted my parents. And then – What did they do to make
1: you trust them? How, how did they communicate those things? Can you – I mean, maybe you haven't even had enough time to be able yeah. to answer this question. But uh, what did they do that made you think even at that moment – this is. I hate this. It's probably good for me. I'm still mad about it, but I'll get over it.
2: That's a good question. I think um, most importantly, they introduced me to the Gospel of Christ, and I knew they were trying to love like He loved, and trying to you know pursue the truth in love. And um, yeah, maybe maybe those conversations weren't always as clear. Like the, you know, saying we're doing this out of love, and I don't even know if I would have accepted that if they did say that, but I knew by their actions, by the way they raised me, by the foundation they gave me, that they were thinking critically about these things and that um, that they were acting out of love. So, I mean, I don't have a super practical answer, but um, that was just something in the back of my head. Georgina, yeah. so.
0: yeah. well, of 12 years of being their child, by then a, a child will know that their parents love them, you know, changing diapers in the middle of the night when they're an infant and all of these things, you might not remember them, but they do teach you that your parents love you and my dad and my mom, they're a safe space for me and they want what's best for me. And as you grow up, you still see that through all of their actions and it's okay to be upset. You know, your pride is hurt and you wanna be, what you, you wanna do what you wanna do, but your parents love you and it's gonna be tough sometimes and that's okay.
1: Have you seen examples of parents who do that wrong? or in a way that isn't is healthy, that kind of drives their teenagers away from them in the moment and even later where they don't feel like they can reflect back and say, I think you were doing that out of love.
0: Hmm. Like specifically not allowing them.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's a, if, if, what is that line? If you're you're able to describe that, how do parents, because here's, and, and I'll just say this is, you know, for me, it's like, Boundaries are, of course, really healthy uh, and, 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 and critical. But parents are always kind of concerned that I'm going to push a little too hard, and eventually I'm going to push you away through like my rigidity and you know the rules and the strictness. And you're just going to kind of like push off and rebel and say, beat it. I'm done with these rules. And now we're at like this emotional stalemate where they no longer like trust you, believe you have their best interest in mind. So parents in the back of their mind are always kind of afraid of that. Mm
0: -hmm. But also
1: knowing that if I don't draw lines, you're going to do things eventually that will be very destructive to you. And that's a really difficult line for parents to be walking I want to maintain a relationship with you. I love you more than you can possibly know. I want even us to like be friends if we can, but when we're teenagers, I got to just be the dad sometimes, right? So I don't want to push you away, but no way am I going to just let you do whatever you want because that would also be damaging. So, I mean, from a like teenage young person perspective, what can parents do? And maybe we've already been talking around that, but if you've seen a mistake made in that way, I mean, what advice do you have for parents who are trying to balance those
2: things it's a great question Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i think it is a very careful balance and the one one that needs a lot of prayer um you need to be walking with the heavenly father to, to gain his wisdom that uh that's a lot but i think for me i think the mistakes i've seen have been on the other end of that not being you know too hard to pushing the kids away but not even realizing that Kids desire, you know, teenagers desire a truth. They, may not, they might not even say they desire to know the truth, right, and to know um, a different perspective. But if it's just not there, if they're not given that, they're not going to be able to bring that into the, to the world around them. So, yeah, I specifically on boundaries, um, I think also not just setting hard boundaries but also being able to walk with them through some of that stuff. And so, you know, as the, the exposure to social media, for instance, gets increased, being willing to say that, hey, I want to be there with you. I want to be here with you. And we can we can talk about these things. Right. And any questions you have, you can always bring that to me. Right. So mm-hmm. as that line, because obviously as they're getting older, they're just we're going to get exposed to things, whether it's through their own social media or through the world around them. Just being, hey, I'm there with you. We can talk about these things together. And I'm not. I'm going to love you unconditionally, yeah. and uh, communicating that is important. I yeah. think, and so, okay. yeah,
0: yeah. I think that was a really valuable answer. I think that was great. I've seen. I don't know. I think maybe sometimes I've seen examples of when people take it a little too far, and they just shelter their kids from everything, and then they get to high school, they discover this whole new world around them, and then. It, it's kind of like a breaking point. They go a little crazy. And I think that, like you're saying, if you're, de- you're cultivating a relationship with your kids that's saying, ask me your hard questions and let's talk about this together, and you're drawing a line in some areas, they're going to see that you're also respecting them in others and that drawing the line is a form of respect. I think that um, even though they're upset in the moment, they will see that it's yeah. fruitful in the, in the end.
1: Now, you're both raised in the church. I assume that you know of kids that you grew up with, in the church also, probably were there every, you know, Sunday and Wednesday or whenever you guys were in church, who are no longer walking with the Lord in some way. Now, um, it's a very common story for people to kind of walk away in college and then come to your senses and, and, and return to their foundations uh, later in life. But Without, of course, naming names, um, and we're not here to gossip about people, but do you have, you know, as you observed those situations, theories about what's going on? um, Is it preventable? And we know we're in a spiritual war, but as you think about maybe people in your life you know who were raised in essentially the same environment, who may have walked away,
2: um, do you glean any wisdom from those situations? Yeah, I think... I can't think of examples like that. And is it preventable? I mean, Lord knows where their heart is. He's the one pursuing them. Um, But I think the biggest thing is not being afraid of those questions. I think when there's an ability to wrestle with doubts, and we're not going to do it perfectly, obviously, there's grace. But uh, being open to talk about the questions, I think that's when, we have the chance to shape the world view the most, is when those doubts come and when yeah. those questions come. And um, if yeah. if they're just pushed to the side, you know, Wednesday night, we're just gonna talk yeah. about, I don't, I don't know what we're gonna talk yeah. about, let's not get into that. Yeah. that isn't, that's not attractive yeah. to any young person.
1: I think the challenge for parents in what you've described there is actually being equipped to have an answer. Mm. And I think a lot of parents kind of avoid the conversation because they frankly don't know.
2: Mm. I think that's okay. I think it's okay for yep. parents to admit that too. Maybe maybe parents don't want to admit that. I don't know. Let's explore this together. I think that's mm-hmm. a beautiful opportunity. Looks look at how we can grow together. Um yeah, you know, I don't think parents have to have all the answers, you know. They have grace for that, but it, they know that they're in that fight with you and they they do want to pursue truth.
1: And and, and and I think that's a that's a great um you know, points you make there. A lot like the humility involved in that, though. I don't know. It's kind of like why I think it's really important for parents to apologize to their children mm-hmm. when they screw up, like often, just, yeah. in, just demonstrating the discipline of repentance, because we're always doing things all the time that we don't do well. But the ability to say, I don't know, let's go study this with our kids. L- let's go find the answer to that. One, that's an investment of time. And then you know, that's a commitment from the parents, just from that perspective. But also it's sometimes hard to just tell your kids, I, you know, I don't know the answer, I know I'm supposed to be the authority. And sometimes we respond to our own insecurities about what we don't know in frustration and anger and you know, just stop asking me. And I think what we end up communicating to our kids in that is that I don't want you to ask, I'm bothered by your question, go away. And of course that discourages future
2: questions.
0: Mm. Also, I think um, your job as a person is to be obedient to Christ and let the outcome be in his hands. Um, And as a parent, that's really hard because you want the best for your child. And understanding that you love your child and God loves the child even more, you're know, you doing your job. Like you're saying, you're cultivating that that curious environment and that um, relationship with them so that you can have mutual respect. And you're doing your thing to pray for your child and relying on the Lord. The results are in his hands with that.
1: And that's back to... Not having fearful parenting, and that is another really hard thing for for parents. Is you know we love our kids more than we love ourselves, Mm -hmm. and and we all know we're trying to control our own lives. And when it comes to somebody else's life, and and the um, the exercise of surrendering the future of our children to the Lord ultimately, uh, because when we want to control everything that happens to our kids at all times, that's when we really start to become uh, the dead the temptation there is to become a really oppressive parent because <laughs> I must know at all times, everything that is happening with you. And if that is the position that we take, um, we, you know, we can become annoying. Mm. And, uh, and, and that is a temptation that just comes out of, I'm so scared of something bad that might happen. Mm. And ultimately parents just have to trust that God loves our kids more than, more than we do. Absolutely. Mm. What do you wish every parent knew about Gen Z? Is there anything? <laughs> Common mis- misunderstandings. What do we assume about Gen Z that probably isn't true?
0: Hmm. Maybe that it's so different than every other generation. Um, human nature is the same. And so we have these new things like technology that are really changing, I think, the way that your brain develops. And that's that's huge, but also the human nature doesn't change. And so we're just like anybody else. And I think that we're a little more emotional as a generation. There's a lot more focus on mental health and I think that's a, a lot at fault because of the technology that we're growing up in. And so maybe just avoiding that as much as you can. But other than that, human nature doesn't change and we all need the gospel as much as everybody else.
2: Yeah, yeah that's true. I think there's also a misconception that Gen Z doesn't really want to know the truth. I think they do. I think mm-hmm. they do want a different perspective than what the world is giving them. I think they they do understand, as you know, we see the mental health declining, that this isn't it. This can't be possibly all that there is in life. And so that that they you know want the truth to be told to them. I think it's a big one. Yeah.
1: So what do you guys? You're 22, mm-hmm. Georgina. I think you are 21. 21. What are you guys wrestling through at this point in your life? What are you guys wondering about?
0: Well, I think you said it really well the other day offline in that conversation um, that your daughter was talking, thinking about, oh, what am I going to do with my life? And we have so many now because we have we're just aware of so many different opportunities. And now with social media, there's just different kind of jobs as everything is more unconventional and untraditional. And you have a little bit of decision fatigue, so you're like, well, where's my where do I belong in the world? How am I going to use my gifts for this? Or what was I created for? What kind of job should I go into? And I'll let you say, well, cause, again, because you did such a good wow. job with that Bible verse or something, but you were sharing about how where God wants you, you can't keep from getting. And if God doesn't want you there, you can't do anything to get there. God will just align the rest of your path and you trust yeah. him.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, I, I think that's, that's, I mean, through our sin, we can certainly thwart God's plans for our lives. But mm-hmm. if we are spending every day just trying to submit to the will of God in our life for today. And and that requires a tremendous amount of patience, especially when we have infinite opportunities to compare our situation to other people's Mm because we are so aware of other people's lives. And comparison, of course, is the enemy of joy. And we look at what everybody else is doing in life and we think, oh, that looks so much cooler than what I'm doing right now. Woe is me, right? And then we just start to be discontent. But... If we do surrender ultimately to God's plan for my life and I'm just going to obey, him today, whatever He's given me to do, um, He can use that.
2: He can Amen. use that. Yeah. Isaac? Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say the yeah. same thing, actually. <laughs> being content. You talked about being content and where you're at because, I mean, I'm you know, on the edge of graduating college. Like, what's the next? That's what I want to know. And, um, and that can be a, a fearful thing. But you, you talked about how. What was the saying you said? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? You know, yeah. he, he's there and he's he's seen it all. And that nothing in this life will truly satisfy you. can keep going for the next and the next will yeah. make you happy. That's not going to. So finding content in this moment and living for Christ in this moment um, is huge. And then the, the other part of that I really love <laughs> now we're just preaching sermons, actually. But <laughs> when you were talking about the as Ebenezer Stones, how yeah. it's mm-hmm. so much easier to be content and to be um, trusting in the next. When we have those stones of remembrance of what God has done, and so, um, I really appreciate you sharing that. That was that was really hit the spot. Amen. Well, that that increased. But yeah, (laughs) that's that's the truth. Remembering is a command Mm.
1: that that uh, Moses gave to Israel, and God gives to us about uh, who He is, and and not um, succumbing to the temptation to discontentment because all of my circumstances today are not perfect the day of perfect circumstances does not appear in this life and so we must learn to be content in the day of imperfect circumstances in which we will live today and every day until Jesus takes us home so amen that's a great lesson (laughs) appreciate you guys very much I've enjoyed this and uh you know the dad in me is learning (laughs) and uh, I, I know other people are learning as well
0: Yes. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. It's, it's been, been outstanding. <laughs> thank you for
1: that, <laughs> <laughs> This has, in fact, been outstanding. Thank you so much. And, friends, we thank you for joining us for this conversation. If you have uh, learned something, and I know you have, especially for the parents out there, this has been really insightful, share it with somebody who might be in a situation of, of benefiting from hearing from the uh, wisdom of some Gen Zers who are not just surviving, but, in fact, thriving, because that's what our goal is. Gen Zers seem to love that term anyway, thriving these days. But uh, so share it with a friend. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe because a new episode comes out every Tuesday and Friday and we don't want you to miss any of them. If you have any questions, comments, do feel free to reach out. Always love to hear from you. Outstanding at WashingtonStand.com. Yes, Outstanding at WashingtonStand.com is our email address. Um, been a pleasure to be with you. Look forward to the next time. I'm Joseph Backholm and this has been. In fact, Ben, Outstanding.
0: Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview.